So the Bible is hands down the most amazing book ever written. But it's not just a book. It's a small library. It's a collection of 66 different books written by lots of different people over a very long period of time. And God speaks to us in many different ways through the Bible. Now, I'm sure you know that there are lots of different types of writing. When we read words, they can be speaking to us in different ways, can't they? So the the words that we read on the side of a cereal box are not the same kind of thing that we read in a story, are they? Uh, Words communicate different things in different ways. And God's word, the Bible, speaks to us in all kinds of different ways. So I want to see if you can identify, you guys at the front predominantly, uh, some of the ways that God speaks to us through the Bible. So I'm going to go through some different ways of communicating with the written word. And I want you to tell me whether you think these are things that you would find in the Bible. So if I say something that you think you would find in the Bible, uh, a type of writing, uh, then you're going to stand up. And if I say something that you think, oh, no, you would definitely wouldn't get that in the Bible, then you sit down. So maybe a fair bit of standing up and sitting down. Do you think you can manage that? Okay. I won't make the adults do that. Uh, not yet, anyway. So, first thing. If you think you'd find this in the Bible, you stand up. If not, just stay sat down. So, true stories. Would we find true stories in the Bible? So if you think you would, you stand up. Okay. So don't wait for whatever everyone else does. If I say something that you think you wouldn't find, you sit down or stay stood up. So uh, history, would you find history in the Bible? People and places and things that have happened. And yep, you'd find history. Timetables, what about timetables? Find a bus timetable in the in the Bible? No. Okay, so you wouldn't find timetables. What about letters? What about letters? Would you find letters? Have the courage of your convictions if you think? Yep. Yeah, okay. Well done. You you were the leader there, Marcellus. Yes, you would find letters in the Bible. There's loads of letters in the New Testament, and a lot of them are written by the Apostle Paul. What about instructions? Find instructions in the Bible? Yep, you all still stood up, and so you should be. Yep, you do. That uh, God gave Moses instructions, for example, on uh, how to build the tabernacle, that, that mobile temple. Uh, what about email? Get emails in the Bible? Okay. Poetry. Do we get poetry in the Bible? What do you think? Charlotte's pretty convinced you get poetry in the Bible. Anyone going to change their mind? Okay, not sure. There's a lot of poetry in the Bible. In fact, I'm told that about a third of the Hebrew Bible is uh, is poetry, is poetic. Uh, So you definitely get poetry in the Bible. Uh, What about biography? That's um, writing about a certain person and who they are and what they did. Do we get biography? Yeah, the Gospels are like ancient biography, aren't they? They're like Jesus' biography. Uh, what about what God thinks about the present and the future? We call that prophecy. Do we get that in the Bible? I guess you all think we do because you stood up and you're right. We do get prophecy. Songs? Are there songs in the Bible? Yes, we just had Christmas. Think of Mary's song or uh, Zechariah's song. All of the Psalms are uh, written to be sung, so lots of songs. What about rap, hip-hop? No? Okay, pretty sure you don't get that in the Bible. Love letters. Love letters. Do we find love letters in the Bible? No, not, a, not as such. Some people describe the whole of the Bible as a, as a love letter from God, uh, but not love letters as such. Uh, um, what about 
love songs. Do we have love songs in the Bible? <laughs> oh, that you should. You were right. You were right. You're right. No one else was standing up, so you weren't sure. But you were right there, Taropa. We do have love songs in the Bible. Uh, the whole, um, the the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, is a whole book uh, that is a love song in the Bible. What about rules? Do we have rules in the Bible? Yeah, the Ten Commandments would be uh, an obvious an obvious example. Okay, sit down, sit down. Well done, guys. So. The whole point of that is that the Bible is made up of lots of different books that speak to us in all kinds of different ways. Uh, But all of those books are part of one story. Uh, There is one big story that includes all the other stories in the Bible. It's, It's all interconnected. Now, I'm sure you've read a lot of books that you know that most stories have one central character, don't they? One person that the story is all about. So I'll give you some books. Uh, well, I'll name some books. And I want you to see if you could tell me um, the central character of these books. So the first two are really super easy. So The Enormous Crocodile by Roald Dahl. Who's read that? Anyone read The Enormous Crocodile? Hand up if you read The Enormous Crocodile. Oh, not so many. I thought, oh, well, you've got to read The Enormous Crocodile. It's a great book. But who do you think the central character of The Enormous Crocodile is? What do you reckon, Marcellus? The Enormous Crocodile, okay. Snow White, written by the Brothers Grimm. I'm not sure which of the brothers, but uh, who is the central character in Snow White? Taropa. Snow White. Pretty easy. This one might be slightly harder, but you, you might may get it. Who is the central character in Rudyard Kipling's book, The Jungle Book? Who? Zen? The kid? Yes. What is it? Maui? Maui? Not quite. You're close. You're close. Jess? Mowgli. Mowgli is the one central. So you got it between you. Mowgli is the central character of the jungle book. So who is the one central character? Of the whole of the Bible. Angus? Yeah. Jesus. You said Jesus first, didn't you? And then you said God. Or did someone else say Jesus? Anyway, you were right. Jesus. Jesus uh, is the one... The the whole of the Bible is about Jesus. And it's really important that we understand that. Uh, So uh, in Luke's Gospel, that's one of the books that tells us about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Luke describes Jesus' baptism. Who baptized Jesus? Can you remember? Who baptized Jesus? Anyone tell me who baptized Jesus? John. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Exactly right. And uh, after Jesus' baptism, Jesus went into the wilderness, into the desert, where he didn't eat for 40 days, and he was tested or tempted by the devil. Did he give in? No, no way he didn't. And then when he came out of the desert, he went all over the place telling people about the kingdom of God. Now, news spread about Jesus all over the region known as Galilee. But this is 2,000 years ago. How did news spread 2,000 years ago? Did people pick up their phones and phone each other and tell each other the news? 
No, you can shout out the answers to these ones. No. Did people watch the news online? No. Did people put photos of Jesus on Facebook or Snapchat? No? Okay. Well, how did news spread? How did news spread? Taropa? Through the Bible? Yeah, people would read the, the, the Bible, the Hebrew Bible. But, but more than that, how did news spread? What do you reckon, Annabelle? He said the word. Yep, Jesus. Jesus uh, spoke God's word, and that news of that spread, and it spread how? Charlotte. Yeah, exactly right. People talking about it. It spread by word of mouth. So uh, Anyang would tell Charlie, and Charlie would tell Isabel, and Isabel would go to the next village, and she'd tell Mackenzie, and Mackenzie would go to the next village, and she'd tell Micah, and, and so it would go on. Everything spread by word of mouth. Do you think that was faster or slower than the way news spreads today? Slower. Yeah, it was, it was slower. So for news to spread, it had to be really big news. Why was Jesus such big news? Why were people so excited about Jesus that they just wanted to tell everyone? Why was Jesus such big news? What do you think? Go on, Charlie. He created the world. He did indeed. And that makes him pretty big news. Why else? What, what, what kind of things was he doing at the time when he walked around in Galilee? Uh, what, what was he doing that were, were getting people so excited? He was doing miracles, wasn't he? He was, he was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was doing all kinds of miracles. He was doing things that people had never seen before. So it's not surprising that there was a great deal of excitement surrounding Jesus. So uh, Jesus was traveling around, and then he goes back to his hometown. What was Jesus' hometown? Where, where, where was Jesus' hometown? Where did he live as a, as a child? Annabelle? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so that's a really good answer. But do you remember Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, had to flee Bethlehem uh, when King Herod was after Jesus. So they went to Egypt and then they came back. And where did Jesus grow up? Do you, do you remember, Anger? It, it, the country that, as we know now, is, is, is Israel, but Nazareth. You, you knew it, didn't you? Jesus. Je- <laughs> Jesus, was, <laughs> yeah. Jesus was born, uh, uh, sorry, was uh, uh, brought up in Nazareth. And this was a place uh, where Jesus knew everyone. And everyone knew Jesus. And it was a Saturday, which was a special holy day. And Jesus went to the synagogue as he always did. And it was packed. It was full of people. The whole town was there uh, because people had heard that Jesus had come home and they couldn't wait to find out what he would say and what he would do. So uh, they gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah to read. Now, a scroll would have looked something like that. So that's a scroll. And the bit that Jesus wanted to read was actually quite near the end. So he was probably winding the scroll for quite a long time to get to the bit that he was uh, going to read. So the tension is building. Everyone is watching Jesus. 
You could hear a pin drop. What will he read? What will he say? And this is what Jesus read. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and sat down to teach. Jewish rabbis always sat down to teach. But who was it that Jesus was reading about? Uh, Who was bringing good news to the poor? Who was going to heal or or give sight to the blind? Who, Who was it? Who was Jesus reading about? Charlotte. He was reading about himself. We know that the whole of the Bible is about Jesus. And so Jesus was reading about himself. And that is what he told his audience. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm here. Jesus is saying, you know this Messiah figure that you're waiting for, who will bring peace and justice to the whole world? Well, that's me. Now, that is good news that Jesus brought. But who is this good news for? Is it just for those people in the synagogue? Is it just for the people of Nazareth? Is it just for the Jewish people? Who's it for? Who's the good news for? Everyone. This good news is for everyone. But the people who were listening to Jesus didn't hear it like that. Uh, they, 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 they thought, uh, they, were, they were thinking, uh, this is good news for us Jews, and this is especially good news for us because we come from Jesus' hometown. But this is bad news for everyone else. They were thinking, great, God is going to bless us, but he's going to punish all our enemies. That is what they were thinking. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said to them, you want me to do all kinds of miracles here in Nazareth. You want me to do more for you than for anyone else. Uh, But I've got a surprise for you. That's not how God works. And then Jesus tells them stories about times that God blessed people who weren't Jewish in their own scriptures, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament. So... uh, God is going to bless not only uh, those people who are there, not only the Jewish people, but this is a blessing for everyone. Uh, Jesus is saying, you've got this idea that what I've come to give is just for you, and it is for you, but it's also for everybody else. And if you can't accept that, you, you could even lose out altogether. Now, I've got an illustration which I think might make this point. So I need two volunteers. Don't all shout at once. (laughs) Okay, so Zen and Angus, do you want to be my volunteers? So, uh, hands went up quickly. Right, hang on a minute. Let me just, I've got to do a bit of setting up. Okay, so. Put that on. And take a seat. And Angus, you put that on. 
and take a seat. So, there was once... Uh, how old are you, Angus? There was once a 10-year-old girl, and she was having her birthday party in the park. And it just so happened that there was a boy from her class at school who was having his birthday party in the same park on the same day. Okay, Let, I tell you what, every time I say the word party, you can test those party blowers out. Just test them out, see if they work. And they don't. Not to worry, we can, we can pretend they work. It's not, it's not vital to the, uh, to the illustration. <laughs> so, they're both having the, their parties in the park on the same day. Now, I wish I could say that these two were friends, but they weren't. They didn't get along at all. They really didn't like each other. In fact, they were enemies, and they were really mean to each other. Now, the 10-year-old girl was waiting for her father to show up at the party, and she was super excited because she knew that he would bring a wonderful gift And she thought that if she told her father about the mean boy from her class, we know you're not really mean, Zen, but this is the illustration. If she told uh, her father about this mean boy from the class, maybe her father would come over and tell him off. Maybe he'd even splat a birthday cake in his face. She was That's what she was hoping for. So she waited and waited, and eventually her father came to the party. And he didn't come with just one wonderful gift. He came with two identical gifts. Now, one of these gifts, the father explained, of course, is for his daughter. I don't want you getting too excited. There's actually nothing in there. But (laughs) 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 But, (laughs) But who do you think the other gift was for? It was for the other child who was having a party in the park on the same day. Now, this, this girl was so uh, annoyed. She was so angry with her father for giving a present to this other person that she, and you can do this, she, she got up, she put the present down, didn't even open it. And she stormed off. Okay, and you can sit down, Anke. Well done. And you know what? She never spoke to her father again, which is really sad and quite extreme. So if you sit down, guys, you can uh, leave the leave the presents where they are. Thank you. Give them a round of applause for being out. Yeah, you can. Okay, you can, you, you can keep those if you want. There you go. Go on, Zen, you get yours. <laughs> okay, so why do you think that the little girl was so angry? What was she upset about? What do you reckon, Anyang? Pardon? 
They, they were enemies, her and the, and the little boy were enemies. Yeah, Charlie? Yeah, so that her father gave her a present to uh, her enemy. Yeah, the, the, the little girl was hoping that her dad would kind of, in a way, punish her enemy for being mean to her. Uh, but he didn't. He gave her a gift, the same gif- gift that he gave her. And that's why she was so angry. Now, each of the people from this little story that we've just seen represent somebody from the Bible story that we've been studying today. Now, this might be a bit trickier, but who do you think that Angus, uh, as the girl in that story, who do you think she was representing? The people of Nazareth. Exactly right. And the Jewish people in general. Who do you think that then was representing in that little story? Yeah, the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, the, the pagans, the, even the Romans who were the, 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 the real enemies of the Jews at the time. So that's who Zen was representing. Who was the father in that story representing? What do you think? What do you, what do you think, Caitlin? Jesus. The father was representing Jesus. The father was, was representing God. So... You see, Jesus told the people of Nazareth that the day of God's great blessing had arrived. And they assumed that that would mean that they would be blessed and all their enemies would be punished. Uh, But that's not what happened. Uh, And Jesus said that's not how it works. God is surprisingly generous. God is surprisingly gracious. This blessing is for you, but it's also for everybody else. Now, the little girl in the, the, the skit was so angry that, that to think of her father blessing the person that she really didn't like. So angry that she left the present, stormed away from the party, and never spoke to her father again. The people of Nazareth did something far worse. What did they do? Well, they did something equally bad. And what, what did the... What did the people of Nazareth do when Jesus said that this blessing wasn't just for them, but it's going to be for everyone? What do they do? They stormed off and didn't talk to him. They stormed off and didn't talk to him. No, they did something uh, even worse. They didn't storm off and not talk to him. What, what Kaylin? They Well, they did eventually kill him, but what did they do on this occasion? Hmm? tried to throw him off a cliff. That's it. They, they drove Jesus out of town. When I say drove, that means they, they pushed him and they shoved him and they dragged him and they probably hit him and they took him to the top of a cliff. Now that is uh, a cliff top um, right outside the town of Nazareth. So it could have even been that very cliff that they took Jesus up to the top and they were going to throw him off. Uh, they were going to kill him. And this is the Jesus uh, that they all knew. This is the Jesus that they'd grown up with. They'd known him since he was a little boy. They were excited that he'd come home. They were eager to hear what he had to say to them. But when he spoke, he said something surprising. 
He said something that they didn't want to hear. He said something that made them angry, and so they actually uh, thought to kill him. They took him to the top of the cliff, uh, but God protected Jesus. His time hadn't come yet, and on that occasion, he was able to walk away from that situation. We're not quite sure how, but he was. And we can kind of understand the way people were thinking, can't we? You know, if you put yourself in the position of that girl who was at her birthday party, you might not storm off and never speak to your father again, but you, you can imagine why she might be annoyed that this, this other person that you thought she was going to get, that your father was going to get even with, he actually gives him a present. Can, can you understand that? Would you be a bit, part of you be a bit annoyed about that? I think we can understand that, can't we? Maybe. And we, and we can kind of understand why the, uh, the people of Nazareth and uh, the Jews in general were angry with Jesus that he seemed to be offering uh, God's grace to uh, the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, even to their enemies. But do you see what this shows us? This shows us that God is infinitely more loving and generous and gracious than any of us would ever imagine. And I guess there are two ways that we can respond to God's love and his grace. There's an old saying, you may have heard it, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The clay. We are surprised by God's grace. And we ought to be surprised because God's love and his grace are amazing. But will we allow that grace to melt our hearts? Will we say, well, actually, if God loves the people that I maybe don't get on with, the people I don't like so much, the, the, the people who are very different from me, if God really loves them, then maybe I should love them too. Or will we be like the people of Nazareth who couldn't bear to see God blessing their enemies? And uh, they wanted to keep what God had all to themselves. Their hearts were hardened and they rejected God, uh, even to the point of killing Jesus. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The, the clay. How will we respond to Jesus' great love, to his grace? Will we try to keep it all to ourselves? Or will we share it with everybody? Will we share it and offer it even uh, to those who we don't get on with? Even to those who we find difficult? The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. Let us uh, soften our hearts to uh, to those that we might naturally come up against in conflict. Let's soften our hearts to those people and extend God's grace and love to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you offer each one of us such love and grace and generosity. And we are sorry for the times when we have kept this to ourselves, uh, for the times when we've not wanted to share what we have, the blessings that you've given us, and for the times when we looked at others as being the enemy instead of recognizing that they're people made in your image who you love dearly. And so we pray uh, that we can soften our hearts 
towards the people around us, all uh, people. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.